0: So today we're looking at Psalm 107 and the title of the lesson is Rebellious Fools Rebellious Fools. In the previous weeks we've looked at Psalm 107 verses 4 through 9 that gave this picture of fainting souls wandering in the desert and it reminds us of ourselves with everything around us and all the, the luxuries that we have yet if we don't seek God we're just fainting souls we're not satisfied we're dying and, and alone in the desert. And then the In Psalm 107, verses 10 through 6, there's a a new picture that was created of those who were dwelling in the darkness and they were prisoners in misery, prisoners in chains. And the the answer for these folks who were wandering in the desert, dying and, and miserable, or those who were dwelling in the darkness and also prisoners and miserable, the answer was for them to cry out to the Lord. And the Lord God in His loving kindness, His faithfulness, Delivered them. Well, today we get another picture of those who are sick and they're on their deathbeds. And why they are there is because they are suffering the consequences of being rebellious fools. So their answer then is going to be like everybody else: is that they need to turn to the Lord and cry out to Him. And the fact is, is that we all are like that a little bit. We're all at one point in time, maybe we were truly just absolutely rebellious of God and foolish in that regard and suffered the consequences of sin. Maybe we repented and turned to Christ and given our lives to him. But even even then, we have our moments of just being rebellious and being fools and we suffer the consequences of those sins. But the answer is always this, to cry out to the Lord, and he, in his loving kindness, his faithfulness, his steadfast love, he will save you. He will save us. So let's go to Psalm 107, uh, verses 17 and 18. Set the scene for us and kind of create the picture that we want to run with. And it's very, a very bleak picture, just like the other pictures of the desert or being prisoners in darkness. Psalm 107 verses 17 and 18 reads this way. Fools, because of their rebellious way and because of their iniquities, were afflicted. Their soul abhorred all kinds of food, and they grew near to the gates of Death. So now the question comes, why are they called fools? And the scripture is clear because it says the word because. Fools because they rebelled against God. Fools because their iniquities had caused physical afflictions. Their afflictions were so bad that they did not even want to eat food and they were near death. Now, I don't know how many of us have been sick to the point that you're near death. I've never been that way. Perhaps I've been sick to the point that where I wish I could just, oh, I just feel like I could just die. Just let me be gone. I don't want to deal with this pain or this illness any longer. But I've never really been near death. Praise be to God. Thank him. But I have been sick to the point where I certainly didn't want to eat anything. And I think all of us can kind of, Uh, relate to that idea of being sick to the point where food just just even thinking about food makes you sick to your stomach even worse and you don't want food but then somebody comes along and says "No, you've got to eat you got to eat or else you're not going to get through this and so here are people who are so sick they're suffering so bad that they are not eating they're on their deathbed. They are near death. They're in that shadow of death. And the answer, the, the reason for it is because they were fools and rebelled against God. Now, the interesting thing about this is that they should have known better. To, to imagine being sick and on your deathbed and you could have prevented it. Well, it was true for them. They were explicitly local. Uh, Warned in the scriptures about the consequences of sin. Deuteronomy, I'm going to read a long passage from Deuteronomy because it's just, it's a warning where God is telling them, hey, this is what's going to happen to you if you don't follow my ways. If you rebel against me, there is going to be sickness. You're going to suffer in all kinds of ways. So I'm going to look at Deuteronomy chapter 28. We're going to look at verses 15 through 29. And also towards the tail end of that chapter, verses 58 through 61. And there's more in the meantime. So let's look and turn to Deuteronomy chapter 28. And we're going to hear was warning and saying there are consequences for sin. Do not sin. Follow my ways and you will live. But if you sin, it's going to get bad. So Deuteronomy 28, starting in verse number 15. And by the way, this is, you know, this is the Israelite nation, the large nation that's been saved out of being prisoners, being slaves in the darkness of Egypt. And God brought them out and several of them then died in the desert because they didn't go into the promised land and take it like they should have. So there was 40 years of wandering in the desert. And now when they're getting ready to come into the promised land, there's a a reminder you got to follow my ways or else it's going to be bad. You won't receive the blessings that I want to give you. Deuteronomy 28, 15. But it shall come about if you do not obey the Lord your God to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes with which I charge you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. But Here's the warning. Verse 16. Cursed shall you be in the city, and cursed shall you be in the country. Cursed shall you your basket and your meat bean bowl. Cursed shall be the offspring of your body and the produce of your ground, the increase of your herd and the work, or excuse me, and the young of your flock. Cursed shall you be when you come in, and cursed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will send upon you curses, confusion, and rebuke in all you undertake to do until you are destroyed and until you perish quickly on account of the evil of your deeds, because you have forsaken me. Verse 21, the Lord will make the pestilence cling to you until he has consumed you from the land where you are entering it. The Lord will smite you with consumption and with fever and with inflammation and with fiery heat and with the sword and with blight and with mildew. And they will pursue you until you perish. The heaven which is over your head shall be bronze and the earth which is under you iron. In other words, life will be hard. The Lord will make the rain of your land powder and dust. From heaven it shall come down on you until you are destroyed. In verse 25 through 29. The Lord shall cause you to be defeated before your enemies. And you will go out one way against them. But you will flee seven ways before them. And you will be an example of terror to all the kingdoms of the earth. Your carcasses will be food to all the birds of the sky. And to the beasts of the earth. And there will be no one to frighten them away. The Lord will smite you with the boils of Egypt and with tumors and with the scab and with the itch from which you cannot be healed. The Lord will smite you with madness and with blindness and with bewilderment of heart. And you will grope at noon as the blind man gropes in darkness and you will not prosper in your ways, but you shall only be oppressed and robbed continually with no one to save you. Now, jumping ahead, to Deuteronomy 28, verses 58 through 61. If you are not careful to observe all the words of this law which are written in this book, to fear this honored and awesome name, the Lord your God, then the Lord will bring extraordinary plagues on you and your descendants even severe and lasting plagues, and miserable and chronic sicknesses. He will bring back on you all the diseases of Egypt, of which you were afraid, and they will cling to you. Also, every sickness and every plague, which, not written in the book of this law, the Lord will bring on you until you are destroyed. Even that final statement in verse 61, because you're at this point, you, I, I hope you're at there at some point in your the year. They're like, this is on and on and on and on the warning that you're going to God's going to come at you from every way. And you're going to be sick with every kind of illness and sickness. And then at the end, verse 61, he says, I'm going to bring on you every sickness and plague, which aren't even written in this law. I'm going to bring it on you until you are destroyed. They were warned. And so when we get to Rome, excuse me, Psalms 107, and it says that these people were fools because of their rebellious ways, we can appreciate that a little better. We're like, That's, why, would they, why would they do this? Why would they rebel against God? He warned them. They knew what was going to happen. But because of their iniquities, they were afflicted. Their soul abhorred all kinds of foods, and they drew near to death because they were rebellious fools. So there are great consequences for sin, and we've got to get that. We've got to understand that. that For them back in that, in that time, it was, hey, if you, if you sin, if you don't do things the way I ask you to, things are going to get terrible. And I'm going to bring all kinds of bad things on you. There will be curses. Because God, you know, and if God didn't act that way, it wouldn't, he wouldn't be a very loving God. If he would let us wander in our sin without consequences, he would be like a father who said, I don't care if my son or my daughter is, is going down a wrong path. I'm just going to let them do it. Hopefully they'll learn. Well, no, we're not like that. Is as a, as a loving parent you will guide and direct and you will let people you'll let your children know if they are going in the wrong path you got to show there are, them there are consequences you got to cause discipline and so God was doing exactly what he should but the people were rebellious fools and suffered the consequences for their sins so what about today? What about us? How does God do? It was very clear. He warned them in the old covenant. Hey, there's consequences for sin. I'm going to bring it on you if you don't, if you turn away from me. And when they were rebellious fools, they ended up and on their deathbeds. Well, I want us to consider 2 Corinthians chapter 12. There are several places where there are a list of sins. And, and um, I just turned to, to this one to, to serve as an example for us today. And we're going to look at the list of sins that Paul is saying that he expects to deal with with this kind of a rebellious group of Christians. First Corinthians and second Corinthians, there's a lot of correction provided in his letters because they were dealing with some issues. They were dealing with sin. And so we're going to look at these issues uh, the, that Paul anticipates dealing with at this church. So second Corinthians chapter 12, verses 20 and 21. Paul says, for I'm afraid that perhaps when I come, I may find you to be not what I wish and may be found by you to not be what you wish. In other words, he's saying, hey, if I come and find you guys sinning, I'm not going to be a happy man. All right. I'm going to let you have it. So anyhow, he says that perhaps there will be strife, jealousy, angry tempers, disputes, slanders, gossip, arrogance, disturbances. I am afraid that when I come again, my God may humiliate me before you, and that I may mourn over many of those who have sinned in the past and not repented of the impurity, sexual immorality, and sensuality which they have practiced. So here in this, this list of sins that Paul's anticipating, the, the things that he's learned about this congregation and that he's trying to correct, he's telling them this list of sins, most of the list at the beginning. It's very much, uh, you know, things that are going to affect their relationships and their effectiveness as a group of people who are trying to shine the light of Christ. There are consequences when they let these sins into their uh, their group and into their family. So let's talk about these things and consider the consequence of each sin. The first sin that's listed is strife. Well, the consequence of strife is obviously no peace and constant drama. Now, if if you are going through life and you make it your goal that you want no peace and you want constant drama, well, it's kind of a strange thing. Most of us, when it comes to, what is it you really want? I want world peace. We want peace. We don't want strife. So why seek after strife? There is a consequence to seeking after strife and to having that sin in your life. The second on the list is jealousy. Jealousy. This sin of jealousy has a great consequence. If you have jealousy in your life, the consequence is that you will always be discontent. You're always looking at others and thinking about what they have, or what they can do, or how God is using them, or how God has blessed them, and you're looking with discontent upon your own life. You're living, not only is there a consequence for you, but then you're also living with ungratitude. You are unthankful to God because he has given you, uh, he has blessed you with everything that you need, and he has blessed you with gifts and opportunities to serve him. And we ought not be looking at others with jealousy. Don't be, you're going to end up being discontent. Don't be that kind of a rebellious fool. Be content with what you have and be thankful. The next sin in the list is angry tempers. Um, now, I, I i just have the feeling that if if anybody out there can Uh, identify with me on this one it's usually us guys we we like to just everything's got to work and if it doesn't work right we get a hammer out and start smacking it to try and fix it well when you do that when you have an angry temper like that everything gets broken things get broken and this includes relationships if we have angry tempers our relationships get broken too don't have an angry temper consequences are too great. I'm, just, I'm reminded the other day, I was, I was loading the dishwasher. I was in a bad mood and something kept getting caught and I just wanted to, I grabbed the, I wanted to grab the, um, the bottom tray and just slam it closed. Come on, just close. I got tired of messing with it. And I was reacted with anger and there are consequences when we respond like that. Don't have an angry temper. Disputes. Well, the consequences of being a disputing person, always looking for an argument, always ended up, uh, trying to find a way to argue with people, is so you end up with no friends. You have only adversaries. You're looking at everybody like an adversary. The next one is slanders, and another another one that really affects relationships. If you speak bad about people and you talk bad about them, and say bad things to the, about their name then you're just going to end up in isolation. The consequences is is that people will avoid you. Nobody wants to be around somebody who is just slandering others. Gossips very closely related to this. Gossip when you talk bad about somebody else, when you share information with others that you, whether it's right or wrong, whether it's true or false, it doesn't matter. It is going to destroy relationships. There are consequences to sin. It will destroy people's trust in you because if they hear you gossip about somebody else, it's very easy to understand that they're going to gossip about you too. So that's stay away from gossip. The next on the list is arrogance, conceitedness. You know, it's when when we think we have all the right answers, we have all the right ways that everybody else is always wrong. Well, when we have that kind of attitude, we end up just having shallow relationships. Um, Nobody is going to want to get close to us. And our influence is destroyed. When you think about what we really want to do for Christ is to have influence. And if we have arrogance and we think we're better than everybody or we're smarter than somebody, then our influence is destroyed. We need to lift others up. And not ourselves. We need to humble ourselves so that we can help others get lifted up, and so God can lift us up. The the last one in the the first kind of part of the list in verse twenty one is disturbances or disorder. Problem with disorder, not have bringing order to your life, is that the consequence is itself. It's the consequence is a life of disorder, a life of confusion. And that is not what God wants for us. God is a God of order, and he wants us to have order, not disturbances. Let's always promote what is is good and orderly and not have the sin of disturbances. Then also listed, there are three more general categories of sin that are listed at the tail end of, of this passage in 2 Corinthians 12 And the first one listed is impurity. You know, when we think about the, we we had talked about holiness and how we were to be God, that God calls us to be holy. And that means that we're to be set apart from what is common to serve God's purpose. Well, when we don't do that, when we make ourselves impure, we're aligning ourselves with the ways of the world or with the sins of the world. And that has a great, terrible consequence is that we are alienated from God. Every sin has its consequence. And here's the most general consequence, is that any impurity, any sin, is going to have the consequence of alienating us from God. And God's the only one who can give us peace and satisfaction in our lives. And we're ruining that. We're going to suffer the consequences if we are rebellious fools. The next one listed is sexual immorality. This is one of those things that, as I, I think about a lot of times, my preaching, this is probably something I don't mention enough. We need to understand that sexual immorality has a great consequence. And the world wants to ignore this consequence because they think there's fulfillment in just going after every kind of sexual immorality and pleasing themselves in every way. Kind of the whole sex, drugs, and rock and roll thing is you just go after whatever pleasure you want. The consequence of sexual immorality, though, is that you miss out on God's beautiful plan that includes one man and one woman fulfilling each other's needs for a lifetime. And there is joy and pleasure in that relationship that God has designed for one man and one woman. So for the young people, you need to realize that there is a great consequence if you stray from God's plan. Don't stray from it, but seek God's plan. Plan on on someday, if you're not married now, and you want to experience a fulfilling relationship that God has for you someday, then keep all sexual um, immorality far from you. Keep your your mind clear of images that are not pleasing to God. And save yourself for the beautiful relationship that you can have in marriage someday. And that is God's beautiful and wonderful plan. Anything that that detracts from that starts chipping away at the, the beautiful relationship you can have in the future. So... Seek after God's plan for sexuality. Stick with God's way. If otherwise, there are great and terrible consequences for sexual immorality. The last one listed is sensuality. Um, this is, uh, I think some of the translations have licentiousness. But it's it's this idea of just pleasing the senses, whatever it is. And it might include sexual things, and it might include just... Um, Things that you enjoy, you want to please the senses. If something tastes good, you want to eat it and eat more of it. If something sounds good, you want to to keep hearing that and listening to it. Um, If something feels good, you just do it. That's the idea of sensuality. But pleasing the senses will always just leave you wanting more. So the only way for true pleasure is to seek after God's way the one who designed you is the one who understands you and if you're you're following simple ways those are things are apart from god's plan and they will not give you a true sense of satisfaction and peace in life this idea of sensuality uh, directed me to to look at proverbs 27:20 and here is the idea uh, in the picture of you know Sin and what we want and the lust that we have for the things of this world—they always just leave us unsatisfied. And I listed a couple other verses on the outline that you can go to also. But Proverbs twenty-seven twenty says this: Sheol and Abaddon are never satisfied; nor are the eyes of man ever satisfied. Now you hear this verse, and if you haven't turned and, and looked at this one. Proverbs 27, 20 is the is the verse. And you need to understand that Sheol is kind of the nev- netherworld. It's the place of the dead where people go when they, they guy, die. Abaddon is the, is a place of destruction. So this is a picture of death and destruction. They're never satisfied. And actually in this life, everything is falling to, falling to disorder. The only way order comes is when we create order. Every, otherwise, everything is, is falling apart. But that's the way of the world, that's the way of of life, that's the natural way as things fall apart and they die. And that's the way with it, 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 and the world is kind of like that. It's never satisfied, it's always destroying things, always a storm, always something that's falling apart. There's always a volcano that's erupted and destroying everything, right? The eyes of man are never satisfied in the same way that death and destruction just continue on and on. The eyes of man are kind of like that. We just, what we see, we're always looking for something else to satisfy us. We're always trying to figure out what's going to make me happy. We always want to see more. It's like it's like when we're looking at our phones and we... we get find something that's uh some clickbait we just gotta like what's this story about i gotta do this and then pretty soon we're going to the next thing the next thing and the next thing the eyes of man are never satisfied and when we're just trying to please the flesh um trying to satisfy our our senses it's just always going to leave us wanting it's like uh it's like people who are addicted to drugs they start with one thing and then pretty soon I've got to find something else that's going to make me a little bit higher, and the consequences just keep getting greater and greater, but that desire for something, the next thing is always more and more. The eyes of man are never satisfied. Sin always destroys, it always has great consequences, and it's always going to leave us sick and on our deathbed. And ultimately, eternal the eternal consequence is the greatest one. Eternally, uh, Romans 6, 20 through 23 tells us the eternal consequence of sin. And it's in contrast to the eternal, you know, the great gift of life, but they are completely in contrast. It's one or the other. Romans six twenty says, for when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Therefore, what benefit were you then deriving from the things of which you are now ashamed, for the outcome of those things is death. in other words, you are living a simple life in those things the outcome, the consequence is death. verse 22, but now having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit, resulting in sanctification and the outcome eternal life. verse 23. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So which one do you want? If you stick with your sins, if you're a rebellious fool, ultimately the final wage, the final consequence of sin is eternal death. This is eternal destruction. This is eternal suffering and pain in the fires of hell. Which one do you want? Do you want the consequences of death? Or do you want the free gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus? Sin never satisfies. Every sin has its consequence. We looked at that list. Every sin would would cause some bad thing to happen. And the ultimate consequence is eternal suffering, eternal death. So don't be a rebellious fool. Let us turn from our sins and turn to God and follow his ways. Don't be a rebellious fool. Let us turn and call upon God continually in our lives. Let us seek him. This brings us back to Psalm 107. Those people who were so sick that they didn't want to eat, so sick that they're on their deathbed and knocking at death's door. Verse number 19 in Psalm 107 says, Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Folks, the consequences of sin is distress, it's sickness, it's destruction. But cry out to the Lord, turn to the Lord, and he will save you. He will heal you. He will deliver you. Verse uh, number 21, it says, Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and his wonders to the sons of men. The Rebellious fools who had been warned over and over who had seen the results in previous generations. They knew that the consequences of sin was always curses. And yet they didn't learn from the past. They had to do it themselves. They had to turn from God also and rebel. And yet when they they said, oh, hmm, I'm sick on my deathbed. Maybe I should cry out to God now. You think God would eventually say, I'm tired of healing you. I'm tired of forgiving you. I'm tired of saving you. Over and over, if you don't listen, you don't listen, you don't listen, I'm done with you. But yet, when these people turn to him on their deathbeds, his loving kindness, his steadfast love, saved them. So give thanks to the amazing and wonderful God we serve. Let us give thanks for we know what the psalmist didn't know. We know the most wonderful wonder that God ever performed for us. It wasn't saving us from some uh, COVID-19. It wasn't saving us from the flu or, or from the plague or from some itch that wouldn't go away. He has saved us from our sins. And this is the greatest display of love that happened in Christ Jesus, the greatest wonder that the earth has ever known or ever will know is that the father gave his own precious and obedient son as a sacrifice to save us rebellious fools. We deserve the consequences of our sin. We deserve death. But Jesus suffered the consequences for us. He saved us. He healed us. He has delivered us. What an amazing wonder that has been performed. And we're about to have the Lord's Supper. And we're going to focus on what Jesus did for us. To save us from the consequences that we should have received for our sins. What an amazing wonder God has performed uh, for, for us. For the sons of men. Psalm 107 verse 22. This is where we end. It says let them also offer sacrifices of thanksgiving. And tell of his works with joyful singing. I want to ask you. Thinking about what Jesus has done for you. Even though you deserve the consequences of your sin. Jesus has saved you. And he has taken the consequences on himself. And set us free. Delivered us. So what are you gonna do about that? What's gonna be your sacrifice of thanksgiving? And will you tell of his works with joyful singing? Will you have joy in your life because you have been saved? Will you sing his praises all the day long? Will you keep a tune in your heart as you go through day in and day out? We don't have to just sing on Sunday the praises of God. We can sing continually to him. We can give our lives as a sacrifice of thanksgiving to him. So don't be a fool. Don't be a fool, a rebellious fool, and suffer the consequences of sin. Cry out to the Lord. He is faithful, steadfast in his love. He will save you. If there's anybody that hasn't given their life to jesus that's what he's calling you and saying i will save you i don't care about all the dumb things you've done i will fix the issue i will take the consequences on myself and set you free from those consequences so turn to jesus give your life to him and live for him forever and for those who are saved i I just want to encourage you. Have this joyful thought in your life this week. Give thanks to God because you are, we are rebellious fools at times. But Jesus is always there to save us. Keep turning to him. Keep turning from those sins. And let's live for Christ. Right now, let us uh, then turn. I do want to say, if anybody wants to be immersed into Christ, you get a hold of us. You let us know. Give your life to him because He's done wonders for you. Now let us turn and uh, I'm going to turn this over to the men in the congregation and let them lead us as we gather around this table and remember the wonder of Christ.